You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. So this is week two of our Wonder Women series. So we thought if we're preaching about women in the Bible, it might be good to have a woman uh, talk about women in the Bible, don't you think? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Two people. All right. Great. Thanks guys. Uh, (laughs) we have long meetings about this. I need you to affirm me anyway. I'm just kidding. Uh, so today is a very special day. We have a great, uh, a great, great woman, uh, to speak to you. I, when I first met her, uh, she would barely talk. Uh, she would sit on the front row, uh, and just sit silently. I knew her husband long before I knew much about her. Uh, and now she's, she's come on staff. Uh, now she, she pastors our assisted living services. Uh, and I don't want to steal too much of her thunder because some of this story she's going to tell you. So y'all give a nice Hope Church welcome to Pastor Teresa. Can I pray for you again? Or do you want me to tell you to picture everyone in their underwear so you won't be nervous? <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> it makes it worse. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would just speak through Teresa today. Lord, give her your words, not her words, Lord, and help her to, to speak directly to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Todd. He's, he's always been such an encouragement to me. And, and just for the record, I've survived nine years with you. <laughs> There should be an award for that. Award goes to you. No. <laughs> no, we love our pastor. So when I was about seven or eight years old, I began searching for the purpose in my life. It seemed like day after day, I would do the same thing over and over and over again. I'd get up, get dressed, go to work. And at that time, I was working from my home, so I didn't have very far to go. And it was just the same thing. All the time, I'd get done working, go eat dinner, maybe watch a little TV, go to bed and wake up the next day and do the same thing again. It was the same old rigmarole. That is a word. It is a word. Look it up. R-I-G-M-A-R-O-L-E. It's in the dictionary. So, that's right. No, you guys use the word like dope and lit. And, and in my day, that meant something, a whole nother thing. Dope was what you smoked, and lit was what you got when you lit it up. So, yeah, so it's the same old rigmarole. So, so I begin to pray and ask God to show me what my calling was. I knew He had a better plan than I did. 
I was getting so tired trying to do things my way. And it wasn't long before he gave me the answer. And you know, it was almost like he, he said, girl, I never thought you'd ask. He told me that for years now he had directed my path, guided me into the, the direction that my, my life was about to take. He told me that he wanted me to minister to the elderly people, people in nursing homes, hospitals, hospice. <clears throat> and that made perfect sense to me because I was a nurse's aide for years in a nursing home, and it was probably one of my favorite jobs. I, took, I also took care of my elderly parents for eight years, and though that was a hard job to do, I'd do it again in a heartbeat if I had the chance to. He just gave me the heart to be a caretaker. So I said, okay, God, I can do this. Your, your plan sounds good to me. I'll do it. I can brush their hair. I can clean their dentures. I can even change adult-sized diapers. I've done it before. I can do it again. But God said, no, I'm not calling you to be a nurse's aide. I'm calling you to be a pastor. Okay, then. I can sit. I can sit and hold people's hands while they're dying. I've done that before. Too many times I've done that. I can give them comfort. I can even sing to them. It may not be very pretty, but I can do it. I can read the Bible to them, and I can pray with them. But God said, I called you to preach. And then I didn't do anything. I went back to the same old rigmarole. Now I'm having problems saying that. <laughs> so over the next couple of years, um, it was actually back in 2015, I finally got brave enough to go into Pastor Todd's office. And by brave, just know, if you've known him long enough, if you tell him about your calling... You're going to be doing it. He won't let you sit on it. And that's a good thing. If I haven't told you before, I appreciate you pushing me and saying something (laughs) in me that I'm not able to see myself. Thank you. He's always good about bringing me tissues. So over the course of the next few weeks... Todd made some phone calls to a couple of assisted living facilities here, Plateau Ridge and Hardis, and made arrangements. They were hurting for somebody to come in and and do church services for them. Y'all don't realize, the older people that are in nursing homes and stuff, they're kind of forgotten about. A lot of the times, they don't even have family to come in and, and care for them. So I was really excited about, about getting, getting to walk in my calling. But then we went, and I was totally uncomfortable because me, I'm an introvert, and I'm kind of shy, and I just kind of want to sit by myself until I get to know people. And So I just sat there and let Todd and Justin do the work. Then a good six months went by, and one morning we were eating breakfast out here, 
we do that quite often as a staff. And Todd, Todd told me that um, he wasn't going to be able to be there Thursday, that Thursday, because he was teaching a class. I said, okay, that's fine. Justin and I have it. We can handle it. And then Justin looked at me and said, I'm not going to be there either. Dead silence. I looked up from my food. I had two sets of eyeballs staring at me with a cheese-eaten grin on both of their face. (laughs) Right then and there, my inner Justin came out. Whoa. (laughs) Just whoa. There is no way I can do that. So the title of my message today is just simple. What is your reaction when God calls you to step out in faith? If you have your Bible, go ahead and open them to Genesis. If you don't, church app. Yeah. Or bring a Bible because I'm a Bible girl. So we're going to be in 18 and I'm going to read verse 1 through 12. And it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Memory, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. Do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk in the calf that he had had been prepared, and he sat before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were there were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So we see in this verse that Sarah laughed in the face of God. She questioned, because it didn't make sense to her, how a 90-year-old woman and a, and a man that's 100 years old could even enjoy such a pleasure. I mean, (laughs) if you think about it, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost 100% sure they did not have Viagra back then. (laughs) I'm old, I can get away with that. (laughs) 
And not to mention to the fact that Sarah most likely was postmenopausal. So just like Sarah, my, my reaction to my calling when I heard God tell me what, I, what he wanted me to do was to laugh. I mean, I have the worst case of stage fright of anybody I know that, that started back from my childhood when I was about seven years old. And at that time... I decided that I wanted to take piano lessons, so my parents went out and bought me this beautiful piano. It was a Wurlitzer, an upright piano. Signed me up for piano lessons, and I was gung-ho. I was going to take those piano lessons. And I did really good. And then there was this thing called a recital. And I was okay with that. My mom dressed me up in the frilliest dress she could possibly find, and... We went to the recital, and I walked out on stage. That was not my upright piano on that stage. Not to mention the fact that there were about a million people. Now, in my mind, it was a million people, but actually it was probably only about 20 or 30. But, <laughs> but that piano, you know, my piano at home, my teacher taught me that I could easily find middle C on that piano because right above the keyboard there was the word Wurlitzer and middle C was right to the left of that. So that was how I found all my notes. Well, when I sat down at this piano, there was no word on that keyboard. And that keyboard looked humongous to me. It was not an upright piano It wasn't even a baby grand piano. It was the real kitten caboodle. It was a grand piano. And I was totally lost. I I just couldn't do it. I couldn't find middle C. I couldn't play. So instead of playing, what I did was I sat there and I threw up over that big white grand piano. And from that day forward... I could not do anything in front of people. So I, could, I can't preach. How can I preach? I have stage fright. Not only that, but I'm old. People, I'm old. I just turned 60. I can't keep up with these, these youngsters. These, the, these preachers that I work with, they wear me out. Y'all wear me out. So I can't preach. I'm too old for that. But most importantly, I felt like I couldn't preach because... Thank you, Sarah. I love you. But most, most importantly, I felt I couldn't preach because I'm a woman. The church that I grew up in, the denomination I won't mention, but I was taught my entire life that women can't preach. They can't preach. They can teach little bitty kids, but after they got older, they had to go in, go on to a man teacher. They couldn't pray in church. Heavens forbid if a woman should say amen or even raise their hand during worship. Couldn't do that. 
So by the time I left that church, I felt totally inadequate, totally devalued. It made me feel like I had no voice. It basically made me feel like I was nothing more than a, a welcome mat or a, you know, something that you wipe your feet on. You know, Mary, don't kill me for this, please. I asked, she didn't answer, and I'm making the executive decision. Uh, my daughter Mary recently told me several weeks ago that as a child, she felt called to be a missionary only to be told by people in that same church that only men could be missionaries. Women could be wives of missionaries, but they couldn't be missionaries themselves. Now, I don't know for certain, only Mary knows this, if that was her real calling or if at that time she just thought it sounded cool and wanted to travel, but nevertheless... Try telling Mary Magdalene, who we learned last week, that Jesus told her to go and tell others about him. Told Told her that himself. Who are we to say that women can't preach? Can't be missionaries? Try telling Mother Teresa. Not this Mother Teresa. Because that's, sometimes people call me that, but... Not this one. Yeah, all the time they do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she felt called. She heard the calling of God on her life at the age of 12. And she left her family at the age of 18, never to see them again. And she served the hunger, hungry and the poor her entire life. Tell her that she can't do that. And, of course, my favorite... For anybody that knows me knows that I love Corey Ten Boom. Miss Ten Boom, she was a little Dutch watchmaker back in World War II. She and her family used to hide mentally disabled Jewish people because the Nazis found them unworthy to even live. So they were, they were executed immediately. So her family kept them safe. And when the Nazis found out, they arrested her and put her in a concentration camp. And while she was there, knowing fully if she got caught that she would be killed... She helped a Bible study for all the the prisoners she was with. She was accidentally released, just simply due from a clerical error. And the day after she was released, all the people that she was with were sent to the gas chambers. Y'all, if you haven't read her book, it's called The Hiding Place, you really need to read it. And she spent the last days of her life ministering to the mentally challenged 
So try telling her that, that she can't be a missionary. God values women, and he uses them in the ministry, and we need more. We need more. Was that Hannah and her computerized baby? <laughs> That's my, my computerized great-grandchild, people. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> God uses women, and he needs us strong women. And though I don't always feel strong when I'm standing up here and I'm scared to death, and I look at you guys and you're wearing your underwear, and that scares me even more. (laughs) But he needs us. Right, Tina? Yeah, he does. So point number two. Did I even read a point number one? Point number one was... was, um, Do you laugh in the face of God? I'm sorry. (laughs) Number two is, do you lie about your reaction to God? Genesis 18, 13 through 15 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, I will really have a child? Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. So not only did Sarah laugh in the face of God, but she also lied about her laughing. But he called her out on it. How many times do we deny that God is almighty and powerful God? I know I certainly have and do. Every time I say that I I can't do this, I'm calling God a liar. So a few weeks ago, I had a similar conversation with God that, that God had with Sarah. Now, let me explain something to you. When I say that I hear the voice of God, it's not that I hear him audibly. But it's, it's like you're, you're praying and you're talking to God, and all of a sudden, he just gives you these words. <clears throat> You do have to be careful, though, because Satan likes to play tricks on you, and he'll use your mind to, um, to trick us. But if you hear God, if you feel you hear God and it aligns with the Bible, and then somebody else says something similar, it, that's a confirmation, and that's from God. If you hear people, if you hear voices, though, telling you to go into a movie theater... And start shooting people, that's definitely not from God. It has to align with God's word. So I had this conversation, and evidently God thinks I'm way more hard-headed than Sarah. (laughs) Because he didn't ask me just that one question. He asked me a whole slew of questions, and it went like this. I had to write it down because this... I had this conversation in the middle of the night, and I didn't want to forget it because it was really a, drop, a mic drop moment for me. God said, am I not God? And I answered, yes, God, you are. Am I not the one who created everything? Yes, God, you are. 
Am I not the one who created you in my exact image? Yes, God, you are. Am I not the one who used women throughout the Bible to minister and to prophesy to others? Yes, God, you are. Am I not the one who gave you your voice? Yes, God, you are. Then he said to me, who do you think you are to think otherwise? I gave you your voice, now use it. Point number three. Do you try to do things your way instead of God's way? I'm not going to read this, but Genesis 16, 1 through 16, it's quite lengthy, but you should go back and read it. It's really good. But it talks about Sarah wanting a baby so badly, but she knew she was uh, too old to have one, so she took it under her own actions to try to have one through her servant, Hagar. She told Abraham to take as a second wife. You know, at least this way, Abraham would have a child, and Sarah Sarah would uh, be able to have a family with Abraham through Hagar, but this only caused problems, as you can imagine. It caused hatred and jealousy and bitterness. And, you know, she just she tried to do things her own way instead of relying on God. So how many times do we try to do things our own way? We get so impatient and we want things right now. We are a want-it-now society. So instead of waiting on God, we take matters into our own hands. I mean, if it was up to me, what would I be doing right now? I'd be a nurse's aide. And I'm not saying that's not a great job, because it is. It's, very, it's a ministry all of on, on its own, and, and not everybody can do that. But that wasn't my calling. When we try to do things our own way, it just causes more problems. It makes a big mess of things. God's calling on my life didn't make sense to me. But it wasn't really because it didn't make sense to me. It just made me feel very, very uncomfortable. So my quotable moment is if you refuse to get out of your comfort zone, you will eventually stop growing. Just like a pond that doesn't have any air flowing through it or water flowing through it or however you get movement in in a pond, it'll turn stagnant, and that's what happens. I've seen so many people just sit in these seats year after year after year and not do anything. And it's not long after that that they'll they'll leave the church. You've got to you've got to connect. You've got to be active in the church, or you'll stagnate. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable walking in your calling. Not a bit. In fact, it's very uncomfortable. And. Quite often I say this, really now, the only thing I am comfortable with is the fact that I'm going to be uncomfortable. So number four, trust God in his plan. 
I'm not going to read Genesis 21, 1 through 7, because I think I'm running out of time. I was worried my message was going to be too short, and I didn't think I was a wordy person, but I guess I am. But what it talks about is, even though Sarah laughed in God's face, and even though she lied about it, and even though she tried to do things her way instead of waiting for God, God was faithful, and he did exactly what he had promised to do and blessed her with a son. Hebrews 11.11 says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now I'm almost done, guys, but listen to me just for a moment. You see this book? This isn't just a book. It is God's living word. And it brings life to you. Make it personal. What I do when I study the Bible, and this, this verse, Hebrews 11, 11, just kind of hit me hard. And what I do is I take the names, the nouns, the proper nouns, and I replace it with pronouns. So I read it like this. And by faith, even I... Even I was able to do what I thought I couldn't do because God, because I considered him faithful who had made the promise. It's not about me and my ability. I have no ability at all. But God is faithful, and I know that he wouldn't call me to be a pastor and not equip me to do so. So if God calls you to it, he will see you through it. So, y'all, read this verse. Read it like this. Even when you think you can't, through him, you can, because he is faithful.